Welcome to the Bridge Beyond English podcast. This is an English podcast that will help you expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross-cultural communication skills so that you can connect more deeply with the world. I'm your host, David Nagai. This episode is about empire, specifically the current and future state of empire. Throughout history, we've seen many empires rise and fall. Now we have the American superpower or empire, and people are wondering if China might be the next superpower or empire. This episode is the third and final episode of a three-part series about empire. In all three episodes, I interview Missy Hart. Missy is an American living in Yokohama, Japan. Her current work has been acting as a peace and reconciliation consultant, which means that she communicates between different religious groups in order to create peace and deeper connection between diverse communities and ways of thinking and being in the world. She has a background in teaching in churches as a pastor or preacher, doing social work among poor communities, and has studied theology and religion among many other things. This topic of empire is huge and complex. You may not agree with everything Missy discusses, but I really do believe that this interview will add a wonderful perspective to the way you think about empire and the world we live in. If you haven't listened to the first and second episodes of this series, I highly recommend that you start at the first one. Here is Missy Hart. Missy Hart. Where are we today? Where are we today? With, with Empire, uh, we as Americans who definitely critique Empire, we critique the power, we, we condemn the actions of our country that are harmful to others and manipulating and controlling. But what, what can we do? How can we make sense of it now? One of the ways that we can make sense of it now is to understand when we are participating in the ideology of the emperor of empire. And it's hard to recognize because it's very fluid. It changes a lot and it disguises itself by trying to convince people that to cooperate with empire is in their best interest, ultimately. So the world after the Soviet Union collapsed no longer had two empires. 
But some people argue that now we probably have four. Two that are particularly strong, China and the United States, and two that are wanting to contend as emperor, empire makers, but maybe satisfied with empire making in their domain or in their area. Russia um, is increasingly looking like they want to take back some of the countries that were liberated during uh, the Soviet Union time. And India is sometimes expressing interest in countries in its, in its sphere, but also uh, Africa as well, um, doing projects in Africa. India doing investment like infrastructure or helping in Africa, right. which is what China also does. Right. I mean, Japan also does that, um, maybe right. in a different way. but Exactly. So some argue that what India is doing in Africa is just trying to thwart or stop or slow down China's influence in Africa because they're concerned that China is going to have this enormous power. So I think it's important for us to know that we are being asked to pick which empire that we want to belong to. And we are being asked to cooperate in empire and not challenge it. And if we do, then we can get some benefits from it. If we cooperate. If we cooperate. But if we challenge empire, we can be called unpatriotic. That's right. Or stupid because we aren't making the money or using the system. And yet we, even as we critique it, we do participate in this awkward dance of critique and participation. It's very awkward. It's very awkward. <laughs> and so it's so awkward that we sometimes just, just say, I give up. I'll, I'll just, I will continue to watch the news and let the news frame it as a China versus America and not ask questions of it and, and not explore other ways of being in the world where we are cooperating with empire. So that might look like alliances with other countries uh, that are not America or China. <laughs> it might be looking at business interests uh, done separately from the, the World Trade Organization. It might be disengaging from the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Because these institutions, can you explain the problem you see? Because they're, they're bringing unity, they're bringing unity, they support developing nations, they create some semblance of stability and peace. So, in many ways, it seems like they're doing good things, and it's good people trying to help. Right. But in actuality, it's to serve the purpose of the empire, of the United States, not the interests of the people. And so what tends to happen is that even though there might be some elevation... Some help, some support, some, some, support, some sharing, increase, some empowerment, empowerment. there is still 
this huge gap between the haves and the have-nots. The people who have power, the people who have no power. That's right. And I believe that this creates a resentment. So they can see the haves. The have-nots can see the haves. They can see that wealth. And, but it's out of their grasp. And then they're told they're the problem, that if only they would have good governance, if only they build a civil society, if only they would get educated, then everything would be beautiful. But in reality, that's not going to happen. There will still be this gap until countries can develop their own monetary policy, can use their resources for their own good and not the good of the empire, that they have control over that and can come to the bargaining table so to more give, equals. To give equal voice to every country, to give equal opportunity so that they can have their own ownership and get what they really want. Right. And so I think, you know, some of what you're seeing in, in the Middle East with Afghanistan, um, is this rejection of American empire and almost like a complete rejection. We don't want your military. We don't want your money. We don't want your business. We don't want your religion. Leave us alone. They don't want anything to do with the U.S., yes. And it's what they said to the Soviet Union before us. They want to be closed off from empire. And I don't know that that's not a good thing. You understand where they're coming from. Yeah. That perhaps this is a way for a country to disengage from empire and build itself into uh, a functioning country. I would argue that the Taliban is the empire there. Mm. Religion, military, Economic, or so much control, right? Mm -hmm. Empire, authoritarian. Right. But somehow, somehow, some through some revolution or through some conversion, somebody from within Afghanistan or the Taliban waking up to the bad part of what they're doing mm -hmm. and finding something better in their religion or the, the beautiful part of Islam that you can see in many, many right. Muslims around the world. Right. But it's hard to imagine that happening right. very soon. And, but, and I'm not as familiar with Iran and Iraq, but I think you're beginning to see maybe some kind of way of trying to be in the world where that kind of empire thinking, thinking can be dethroned. Or transformed. Or transformed. The power taken down. Right. 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 Okay, so, so before we finish, maybe we could just touch on how Japan is connected to empire, hmm. how it is or isn't, mm -hmm. and we could talk about uh, 
vaccines and just some power dynamics that the complexity of empire now. So here we are in Japan. Most of the listeners are Japanese. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with um, going back to the 1600s. Um, the colonizer at the time was, was for Japan, the Dutch and the Portuguese who had brought their military, their commerce, and their priests and pastors um, came to Japan and was knock- they were knocking on the door, ready to colonize Japan. And I think it was a wise decision to close off Japan from that colonization for 200 years. Why do you think it was wise for Because I think it was the only way to fight the colonizer. There was no way that... I don't see any other country that was successfully not colonized by saying, no, we don't want this, but we'll still stay open to you. So I think it was a smart move. Um, Then after opening, though, in the 1800s, there was a new colonizer at the door, knocking on the door. And... Uh, a professor um, from a university in Tokyo once gave a talk, and she said the reason why Japan in the late 1800s and early 1900s became a colonizer, a colonizing country, was to prevent being colonized by the West. The professor said Japan colonized others in order not to be colonized by the West. They thought that if they could colonize enough land and people that they could be a force against empire, the Western empires that they saw at the door. So she mourns what happened in that colonization, and and in fact in the talk wept, but she understands why that happened. Um, So now, after World War II, Obviously, Japan has allied with, with the United States' interests, and does even so to this day, um, deeply aligned with the United States. Um, and I believe it sees itself moving forward by remaining an ally to the United States. But you also see in Japan um, some efforts to try to participate maybe somewhat in this really strange empire world. Uh, So for instance, the vaccines. So in Africa, um, there is not an ability to make vaccines. The the ability to make vaccines is limited to only several countries. And that has left Africa in a really bad shape. Now, if there was no empire, what would happen is that we would not have a patent on the medicine, on the vaccines, and Africa could make its own, would have the technology. The patent would be free for everyone to use. That would be the healthy model, a non-empire model of distributing vaccines. But instead, what's happening in Africa is that all these different empire participants are throwing, literally, vaccines at Africa 
many of them that, 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 that they don't even get used, they're thrown away. Because there isn't the infrastructure or the ability to use it properly. That's right. And it's not enough vaccines. And it's not for the purpose, ultimately, to vaccinate and keep people from dying in Africa. Instead, it's to influence African countries to support these countries that are giving vaccines. And you see China giving vaccines, the U.S. giving vaccines, yes. many countries giving vaccines to different countries, right. even Japan giving to Taiwan yes. because we're friendly neighbors. Yes. And it, it's all so that we can keep our friendships in, in, in proper perspective. Um, so then your supply, it doesn't match the need of the world. The supply matches your interests, your political interests. And thus we have this inequality in who gets vaccinated globally in the world. Okay, so what is the future of empire in general, or, or right now, like if you look at the U.S. having a lot of unbelievable division and a lot of people see it going down and it's going to collapse eventually, China or some, some kind of different world order will eventually somehow be created. Why and how is the United States going down? So remember that empire is built on ideology. And what is happening in the United States is that ideology is beginning to collapse on itself. It's beginning to get sick. Like there's different ideologies. There's many different ideologies. And they fight each other. And they fight each other. But at the core, there is a dominant ideology. And that ideology um, comes out of a philosophy um, that a German philosopher named Nietzsche developed um, around World War II time, World War I. And, 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 and Nietzsche's philosophy is that there's a dominant or powerful um, thinking and then there's slave thinking. And a healthy dominant thinking is that there's good and there's bad. But slave mentality, slave thinking, is that there's the good and evil. And in this kind of thinking, people become resentful of other people and what they have like and bitter toward them. Bitter towards them. And thus they don't label it bad. So they're no longer caring whether it's really good or bad. They're just resentful. So they call what they don't like evil. And capitalism is susceptible to this because our meaning is often in what we own. And a religion is declining. So we have less understanding of ourselves as meaningful beings within a God-structured world. And then our meaning is only in how much stuff 
we have. So meaning used to be found in religion mm -hmm. for understanding who we are and why we're here and where we go in the future. Mm -hmm. But now, in a more secular culture, our identity and meaning is found in our money, our possessions. That's right. And that's quantifiable. It's easy for me to identify that I don't have as much as you, or I have more. Okay, so how does this lead to the collapse of empire? Okay, so, then, okay. <laughs> so when I have my meaning only in that, then meaning itself begins to totally break apart. It breaks, it breaks down, and it did in the United States with the rise of a new phenomenon called postmodernism. So before postmodernism and before this breakdown where meaning was attached to capital, um, there was meaning was attached to God or to truth with a capital T. But once meaning was attached to capital, there was no longer a need for a big T. So the big T collapsed. Big T truth. Big T truth, where we have good and bad. And it collapsed where we have a lot of little T's, good and evil. So this is good, that I don't like it, so I call it evil. I call it evil. Even though I can't prove exactly that it's truly evil, I say it's evil, That's I don't right. like it, I'm good, you're evil. That's right. And I don't care whether you believe it or not. Because I'm free, I'm independent, I can do and believe what I want. So now, truth becomes something that we possess and is valuable because it's powerful. It's power. It's tied to power. So what I try to do with my truth is find people who believe like me, and then I can use it. Because remember, I'm resentful. You're bitter. I'm yes. bitter. And I'm going to use it against anybody who doesn't think like me. And I'm going to justify in my mind that I can attack the Capitol building. Or I can, you know. So, so it's our belief system. And we reject other belief systems. And we, we gang together with other people or groups that share our belief system. This is where we have our identity, our belonging, our Security. That's right. So there's there's no truth or meaning really left in the United States. It's it's a very and it's it's now found in the political arena and is used for power purposes to 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 bring down those that we call enemy and it's uh, and those bring, lift up those who share my interests. Along, alongside of me. So it makes it very contentious. So there's a lot, that, that's, it's very divided. Mm -hmm. So that division is going to be the downfall? I believe it's going to be the downfall. So you still have religion. So this, this conflict um, is sometimes considered in a sacred term. Like I'm fighting. Like fighting for God. I, yeah. yeah. My, my interests are holy. So there's still a little religion left in there. We're back to everybody has guns again, like the wild, wild west. I, I would say there's still a lot of religion, but it's, it's completely politicized or yes. Yes. Americanized or militarized. That's correct. 
right? It's, it's in the power arena, right? right? It's, they call it religion, but it's not at all representing what Jesus was trying to do 2,000 years ago. No. And it's not in the hands of the elite trying to make something unified and whole. It's, it's used as a weapon in itself um, and to rile people up. To make people angry and excited. Right. Very easy to do with religion. That's why religion is often part of empire. So what empire in general and the American empire in particular has done is to create division among others, other nations and regions, so that they can create the po- keep the power. Right. And, and then what you're saying is now this disease of outward violence and domination in the world is coming back like a cancer into our own empire, like it has perhaps in other empires, and is making divisions and causing fractions and fighting and we're going to crumble as we see that the beautiful diversity that has created such innovation and openness in the United States at the same time it's gotten out of control in some ways and it could be the downfall as we fight each other and and it's partly rooted in this loss of meaning or our meaning is very much based on what I think as an individual and my group and I hate everyone else. That's right. That's right. And I would argue, let it happen because I don't see a way out of that. And so we can prolong the misery for a long time or we just need to let it happen And you ask the question, what can we do? Well, this collapse kind of shows that capitalism, as it manifested itself, didn't work. Because it had the seed to what is happening now in the United States. It has a direct correlation. So something about the ideology of capitalism doesn't work in, in completeness. Right. Does it need to be totally trashed? I, I don't know. Um, you could argue that the Marxist um, ideology, it too didn't work in the manifestations. Right. The way it was interpreted right. and the way it right. was led right. in leadership, right? So if we look at, I don't know, Scandinavia, maybe more social democracies, mm-hmm. uh, they're not perfect, but they're pretty high up on the happiness and education um, and well-being and freedom and equality of their citizens. So I'm just thinking about how can we bring this kind of a mixture of things that are good for society, uh, enough control and structure, but also uh eliminating the gap between the rich and the poor to some degree, right? That's right. And those countries that you mentioned, they participate in this global empire. You know, they participate in, in the United Nations and NATO. and But to a lesser degree, the rhetoric of empire is not as prevalent. 
So bringing this back to Japan, uh, perhaps what would be helpful is less of an emphasis on the rhetoric of uh, America versus China and more energy spent in the reimagining of how we do society. How do we structure our economies? Let's experiment like they do um, with social democracy or other ways of functioning in these other countries where there is a higher happiness level. So if the energy is spent more there rather than on this distraction that we want you to <laughs> be distracted by, perhaps there's a way forward in the world without empire. If we use our imagination, if we think of new ways of doing things and not only choose A or B, yes. uh, U.S. or China, right. uh, communism or democracy, maybe right. there's something, something else. And of course, I'm not saying that Scandinavia is the only success or even the right way. I'm saying, what does it mean for the U.S.? What should the U.S. do? What should Japan do? But let's admit, Missy, it's pretty tricky. Pretty tricky. Do you have any last word of hope for our listeners, of mindset or something that they can take away, something they can think about for their own life as a citizen of Japan or whatever country they're from? Uh, I would just say be curious. Be curious about the messages that you receive. Be, be curious, like Jesus was curious, about who is your neighbor and how you relate to that neighbor. And um, I think with that, there is a way forward. You're the third person on my podcast who had said, be curious. I, I think it's very interesting. Someone from the Netherlands said, be curious. Someone from Bangladesh said, be curious. And now you, Missy Hart, remind us again, as another global citizen from the world's large, crumbling empire, that to move forward, let's be curious. Missy Hart, thank you so much for the episodes you've given to us as a gift as we open our eyes to empire and reimagine how we can live in the future. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to help us spread this podcast to more people, you can write a review or leave a rating. And finally, if you are interested in using English to expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross-cultural communication skills, you can join a free trial class right here in Yokohama Motomachi or online. If that is something that interests you, you can click the link in the show notes or just visit us at bridgebeyondenglish.com. 
www.thinkdigitally.com. I'm your host, David Nagai. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.